Welcome back to the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sal Guardo. With me, as always, my co-host, former defensive lineman Kyle Searle, former quarterback Kurt Hessen, former director of football operations Dan Kopp. We do have a very special guest with us that we will give his formal introduction here uh, pretty soon. But if you have any questions for this special guest, we are on YouTube Live. You can ask him any questions, give him any comments. Cyril is monitoring that. Uh, we also are obviously on Instagram at Whitetown Penguin Podcast that Kurt also watches. So any comments, questions, you can all reach our guests through that or anything you have in general. We are available anywhere podcasts are found. Your Youngstown State Penguins were victorious over Duquesne, which I really think that's what brought our special guest out, who we've been trying to get a hold of for a few months now. Uh, we did beat his alma mater, Duquesne Dukes, uh, 42-7. And just to recap, for everyone to know, uh, it started with a CJ uh, Charleston had a touchdown pass, put us up 7-0, then a field goal made it 10-0. Then right when you think it was going to be a runaway, Duquesne scores a 24-yard run to get back into the game, making it 10-7 into the quarter. Uh, starting the second quarter, Rushton runs in to put us up 17-7, and then Bryce Oliver has a 21-yard catch to put it 24-7 at halftime. Uh, the Penguins ended up splitting away in the second half and taking full control of the game with a field goal, another field goal in the third quarter. Uh, going into the fourth quarter, it was 30-7. Another field goal made it 33-7. And then finally, to put a seal on it to run the clock, the clock out, quarterback Brun Brungard runs three yards to make it 40-7 to to put a seal on uh what was a pretty good game and a good showing from the Penguins, not so much the fans, but that will be a, another topic to speak about. However, before we dive into this game and get a little more detail, uh, I'm going to flip it over to Dan, give a proper introduction to our, our special guest we have with us. Awesome. Well, thanks, Sal. Sal, you're making us look bad all dressed up, man. It, Sal's playoff ready with the, the shirt and tie. I, I love it. So uh, obviously we're honored to have our, our good friend, Carmen Brasillo on tonight, and uh, it's really cool for me to say a few words about Carm. We met in, I think, January of 2010, back in the day when Coach Wolford uh, brought Carm on the staff. We, Our offices were right next door to each other down there. We were in the kind of the lower side of the football offices, so uh, we, we had some good times there. But uh, Carm was with the Penguins from 2010 to 2018. Uh, interesting thing I was reading about you, Carm. You coached 15 All-Missouri Valley Conference guys in your time. So that's amazing. A credit to you and the guys uh, you helped recruit. Uh, after that run, to, uh, even the 2016 title game Carm was a part of. Then he jumped into the NFL, got with Coach Belichick and the Patriots uh, for th three years, right, Carm? He had an AFC East title, two yeah. playoff appearances. And then in 2022, uh, headed there to the Raiders. Uh, now the Las Vegas Raiders with uh, Coach uh, McDaniels, who is with the Patriots uh, as well. And uh, it kind of goes back, you know, Carm began his career at his alma mater, Duquesne. Sorry, Carm, we, we had to put it on the Dukes there over the weekend. But, uh, um, and, uh, you know, from there he started his kind of his coaching career. And you got 20 years in now, Carm, which is pretty cool to think about. And total between some high school and working your way up, you were at Akron and, 
uh, obviously at Illinois, uh, the year they won the Big Ten, and kind of I want you to kind of talk a little bit about that. I think that's how you met Coach Wolford, right, uh, with your stop there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to let you talk a little bit about your family and uh, what's going on in your world now out there in Vegas. But I think we can all say this. Obviously, Kurt and Kyle were playing for you then, and Coach Sal was a part of that staff as well. And I always think of Karin, man, just a relentless worker, dedicated to his craft. Um, the details were everything to Karm. I love being next to his office and just hearing him grind away and scout things up. And, um, you know, we're blessed to call him a friend and we're thankful he's on the show. We, we went above and beyond to get you on here tonight, Carm, especially after Duquesne. We didn't plan it that way. Um, I think Sal did. Sal was trying to, you know, him and Searle were, you know, kind of scheming for this one. Uh, uh, you protected Kurt so much with all those great line schemes. So he, he didn't mm. want to get you, but man, we love you. We appreciate you being on here. You're doing big things in the NFL. So, uh, why don't we turn it over to you and talk a little bit about your family and what's going on? So, well, first, let me say thank you. Um, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. I've had a chance to watch a few of the episodes and stay. It keeps me abreast when I'm sitting in my office and fired on on Spotify. So, uh, I, I truly, I, you know, my time in Youngstown, um, it, it was special. It truly is. And I'm proud to have spent nine years there. Um, and uh, it, it, it's it's near and dear to my heart. So, you know, and once you're there, like, it, it's, you know, you can't ever get out. So um, I, I've been labeled, uh, I think, good in most parts. But some people are like, oh, he's a Youngstown guy. And I trust me, I, I was nothing more proud when people once asked me, did you go to Mooney? Did you go to Ursuline? Like, I felt like I had arrived, you know, even though I grew up in Pennsylvania. But, uh, yeah, no, so things things are rolling along. Obviously, we're, we're on the bye week. Um, so I'm able to to take his chance tonight and be at, be at home and and uh, get a chance to tune in with you guys. Um, yeah, catching up with me. Um, married now. Uh, we, Megan obviously was a soccer coach. Met her there at Youngstown. She was a soccer coach at YSU. Um, we have uh, two children. Uh, Rylan is two. She turns two tomorrow. And uh, Luca, our son, was born on Halloween of this year. So uh, we are we are just rolling along. Yeah, life is. Uh, Life is good, you know, ups and downs. We're obviously, you know, experiencing some some change and some turbulation. But, uh, you know, anybody that's checked on me or asked about me, I kind of always go back to uh, what was it uh, um, Hyman Roth said in Godfather 2. You know, it's the business we've chosen. So it is what it is. Um, you just plug along and, and, and move forward. What else are you going to do? So, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to being a part of this today. And, uh, you know, let's, let's fire away. What do we got? Yeah, and, and Carm, um, you made that jump from Youngstown State to the NFL, and I just want you to know everyone claims you from afar. I definitely do. I like to name drop. Oh, I know a Raiders assistant coach. Like, I, I name drop you like we talk every day, and I know a lot of other people do. Uh, El Chris uh, Elkins works with me, actually. So uh, I always drop, oh, you know, he actually he played for the Raiders O-line coach. So we, we definitely yeah. keep tabs on him. Yeah. We're proud of what you're doing. Uh, getting into the Duquesne game, and Carm, I, I don't know or I doubt you watched it unless you tell us otherwise. But before we get in, I don't know if you want to talk more about uh, just the schools. Duquesne, you spent time there. It's your alma mater. And then I don't know if you claim Youngstown State. You probably, you probably spent more years at Youngstown, didn't you? A lot, yeah, yeah. I, You know, first off, I mean, 
those are the two places that that I think you know uh, have had the biggest influence on me um, as a coach and, and as a person, really. Um, you know, I really cut my teeth as a position coach at Youngstown State first hand to get in my own room there. Um, you know, and and obviously having played at Duquesne, um, my position coach when I played at Duquesne is is the head coach, and he was Cherry Schmidt. And Coach Schmidt also gave me my first coaching job in college. He hired me back to Duquesne in 2005. So, um, you know, really got me kind of started on this professional journey of making coaching my career um, was Coach Schmidt. So clearly uh, I hold a, a special place. You actually see over my shoulder, I got my Duquesne jersey and I got a YSU ball there. This is kind of in, in the den. So those aren't props. Those are those are always hung up and, and in, in the den here. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, obviously – Duquesne, I think it's it's neat. I, I I would say as an alum, I was proud to you know see them win the NEC and go on to the playoffs again. You know, I was a coach at Duquesne where we were still transitioning; they were still non scholarship. And and Coach Schmidt and I remember talking to him saying, "I don't know if this place will ever go full scholarship and you know and go down that road." And to see them this year play, I believe they played FSU, and I mean, God, they made a trip to Hawaii, and you know they're planning to play Pitt. You know, that's pretty exciting for Duquesne. Um, just a you know, little Catholic school there on the bluff. And then obviously excited for YSU and, and getting back um, into the playoffs. First time since 2016 when we made that run. Um, but I know they've been doing some big things. I, you know, we get to see uh, McLaughlin, uh, Cat, shoot, he broke all of our damn records from 2016. That kid, uh, I always complain about it when I see him on the film. But uh, I'll let you guys – I only saw a recap, so I'll let you guys deep uh, deep dive into the, the, the true X's and O's of it. I tried to pull it up. Uh, today at, at the offices, but they don't have it shared up yet to PFF. Otherwise, I was going to give you a full detailed version, but I'll let you guys do that. <laughs> yeah, I, one thing on Duquesne, I'm, you mentioned they played Florida State. I'm down here in, in Tampa. Uh, when they made that schedule, it was week zero last year, and I remember my family, they have season tickets to Florida State. They were calling it like Duquesne. They didn't know how to pronounce it. So you're right. Now they, I had to correct them because I, you know, went to school by Duquesne. I said it's Duquesne. So now they got kind of got their brand name, and everyone in Florida knows who they are now. So you're right. They're kind of spreading around to Hawaii and around the country. is It's neat to see. Uh, but yeah, Kurt, I'm gonna flip it over to you. I mean, I, personally, I was never really worried about this game. I was kind of just watching it, you know, eyeing it, and not. I, I really didn't lose any sleep the whole time. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so before I hit on the game, Coach, thanks again for being here. We appreciate it, man. Anytime I get a chance to talk to you. Um, as you were just kind of getting the intro a little bit, I thought about all the guys that you've coached, you know, from Elkins to Kyle Bryant, Lamar, Mark Pratt, all those guys, Fred, Cinco. You never, ever blamed me for any missed protections, and whether it was my fault or not, you never blamed me. You let Shane do that, so I want to say thank you for that. Because you would be the one, you know, mother, this to Fred and Cinco and anybody who ever missed a block, you blame them even if it wasn't their fault. So thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> You're way more patient with me probably than you were with your own lineman. Uh, um, well, you know. <laughs> so getting into the game a little bit. I mean, we, we talked about it last week. Like it, we had to control the line of scrimmage, which we did. We had to get back to the run game, which we did. Don't turn the ball over or put ourselves in bad positions. Um, you know, there were some plays out there for us. I thought the offensive line played really well. You know, we got our run game going again. Mitch played well. But really, the two big stories coming out of the first round of the playoffs is Mitch Davidson breaking the single season passing record. Um, so super proud of Mitch for doing that. 
I think he's up to like 2,800 yards on the season right now. So congratulations, Mitch. That, that record is all yours, man. I want you to build it this weekend and continue to build it moving forward. Also, Bryce Oliver hitting his 26th uh, career receiving touchdown record. Um, that record is all his now. I think it was Ferrantes or something um, back from the 70s, a guy who played four years. And I think we talked last week, Bryce has only played two years. So uh, both Mitch and, and, and Bryce getting an opportunity to kind of cement themselves and, and provide a little bit more into their legacy as they continue to make this playoff run. Offense looked great. Uh, let's do the same thing this week. So congratulations to those two guys. And uh, let's let's keep the pedal uh, to the metal, as they say, right? Hey, Cyril, before I flip it to you, we are going to do a, a CARM interview on YouTube Live. If you have questions for them, hit that YouTube Live. Uh, get your questions in um, before we get there. Uh, but, Cyril, o- over to you on your thoughts. Coach, glad to see you again, man. I miss our uh, hour-long nine-on-sevens, you know, being on the other side of the ball <laughs> from your guys there. But uh, jumping into this defense, I mean, this is an offensive stat most of the time, but the defense was on the field for 17 minutes and 33 seconds. Absolutely insane um, ball control from the offense. Our guys refreshed the entire game. Gave up 148 total yards, a couple sacks. um, Held the Dukes to 1 for 11 on third down. I mean, there's really just nothing more to say than it was just a, a dominant performance. Uh, hats off to that uh, Duquesne team for, for winning their conference and, um, you know, having a great season. Hopefully that they can continue to build that brand and we get some some competitive football from an hour away from us. So that's what I got. Short and simple. DK. Yeah, likewise, uh, you know, you guys know how I feel about running the ball. I learned that from Karin being next to his office all those years. You got to run to win. We did that. Obviously, Bryce is a difference maker. Con- congrats to Mitch. Uh, I don't know how he broke Kurt's record. Kurt, I thought you had that, but um, I think that's amazing what he did. I love to see that we're involved in the tight ends a little more. You, I mean, I always love to see those guys getting some catches because it kind of shakes some thing up. And uh, to finish on a good note, man, we finished the year in, at Stambaugh, not the season, but our home – Home record six and one this year, you know, uh, with that one blemish, but it was a good year. You got to win at home. And obviously we dominated the game and, you know, there's, there's not a whole much to say other than uh, I think we came out of it healthy, which is always, you know, the most important thing this time of year. So that's all I got from that game. It's a good win. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we were, uh, like I said, there was no point of the game. I was nervous. Even when it was 10 to seven, I was kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. It's good for them. And they, we're, they got on the board. We didn't shut them out, I guess. But I think we're okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, Carm, I forget that you're, you're kind of a Duke. Um, <laughs> let's put this one behind us though. <laughs> you guys all right with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, moving on, uh, going over to Kurt real quick on an FCS bracketology. Yeah, so we did the uh, social media FCS bracket challenge. We've had, uh, I think, 22 uh, people enter. Uh, We were going to give you a segment here on the show. We were going to get you your own shirt um, and kind of highlight you a little bit on social media. After that first round, uh, myself and DJ Moss are in the lead. We correctly picked seven out of eight first-round games. Uh, We also have another person, FCS Penguin, um, who also picked seven correctly. 
Uh, Searle, I think, has six. Uh, Sal Guayardo has six. I think Coach Cobb also has six, so they're not too far behind. Also, a Dayton native and, and one of my best friends, Patrick Bruggeman. Uh, he also, got to give him a shout-out. He p- correctly picked six out of eight for the first round. Uh, his name is probably my favorite name in the entire bracketology, which is simply, and Bruggeman's a huge foodie, I miss MVR. And I think he speaks for all of us. When he, he loved that MVR pizza the one time he came up, and, and he, he ate a piece of pizza that was stuck in the couch the next morning. He's like, is this MVR? I said, yeah, it is. He goes, oh, great. It's a ranch. And he yelled at me because there was no ranch. So got to give a shout-out to Bruggeman there, too. Um, so get your, we got your brackets in, and we'll keep you updated on who's winning that one. Appreciate it. Thank you, Curdy. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we're going to get into a Carm interview. Uh, and I'm actually going to go back to Kurt, but just real quick, want to make a comment to Carm or, or Coach Priscilla. You just recently played Kansas City, who uh, actually, as you know, over on Kansas City, their secondary coach uh, was on this show, Dom Delisio, who was a former player of yours and coach. Uh, he did text me. I didn't want to give any insider information. He told me that he was going to run slide special all day and there's nothing you could do to stop it. <laughs> so, I don't know the truth to that, but uh, I, I yeah. should have given you the heads up that the, the secret slide special from the, the Mooney tree uh, was what he's going to do. Yeah. But uh, on the serious questions, I'll kick it over to Curdy. All right, coach, here's the interview time. Um, so, you know, as a player in your offensive meetings, I always felt like you did a large emphasis, put a large emphasis on building relationships with your guys, um, whether that was, you know, poking fun or having serious chats with them and didn't have to be an O lineman. It could have been anybody. Um, what is that building relationship like uh, with players who are making millions of dollars in the NFL? Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting thing that um, my assumption was going to be that that it would be more um business-like and, and, and you'd, you'd lose some of that, that interpersonal connections. And that's, that's, that, that it's truly, it, it's, it couldn't be more farther from the truth. It's, although they're young men and you know, I've got a 35 year old guy, you know, playing for us um, up front here at the old line. So we've got some veterans, um, you know, lots of, lots of dads in the room, that type of deal. But nevertheless, it's, it goes down to the same thing of, of building trust and, and, and meaningful relationships. And I think you do that by being honest, and and genuinely caring and and when you do that then you you can you can face the music together and, and have an honest conversation and i think that's also part of making sure it's a two-way street like i've never had a problem i mean you know guys sat in you know my chair i mean when it was stephen page one time closed the door and he had exactly told me exactly what he thought and i remember laughing about that but um and i mean it, it you know it needs to be a two-way street because that's what relationships are about and then they're you know built on a foundation of trust and from there um, I, I think you've got an opportunity to, to get past, you know, the, the difficult situations that are definitely going to arise at any level. Awesome. Thank you. Cyril. All right. Here's a, here's a hard hitting question that, that everyone wants to know, coach. You know, I spent, I think literally one day in Vegas. Um, so <laughs> I, I, uh, I hit the, I hit the, um, the name brand stuff, right? Like, uh, the Gordon Ramsay burger joint and was at the Bellagio and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, when you finally get time to come out of the office and, and get away from film and, and you're with the family, what are some what are some things you like to do um, in Vegas? Favorite spot to eat, maybe a hole in the wall or something. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, it's, it's an interesting town for sure. And I'd never been before I got hired here. So that was, that was kind of a, a an eye-opening uh, you know, moment here to get out here and, and, and check it out. Uh, they do things right. That's for sure. The hospitality still exists in this town. Um, it, we're spoiled. We, we have an opportunity just with, with being with the club, you know, some of our operations people like, you know, DK was always had to connect, you know? So, uh, I know I think one of the fan favorites of the offensive line, we did a, we've done a meal over there once or twice, this place called the golden steer, um, uh, which is, uh, with the original steakhouse it's at this point now it's, it's, it's off, um, it's more towards old Vegas. Uh, but, uh, the golden steers claim the fame is that it had the back room that, that the original uh, mob families would actually host their meetings in. So uh, in the movie Casino, uh, uh, the, the Nikki character had the jewelry store. When you face the Golden Steer, there's still a jewelry store to the left, and that was his original. Um, I've been told by, by ownership there that that was his. It's not obviously under the same ownership. But um, so it's, it, but it's, it's your old, you know, um, you know, leather booths, you know, the red leather booths and, you know, they make the, they make the Caesar salad right at your table. So you can get an old school, uh, good steak and a meal there. Um, and then there's obviously there's some, some of the best Italian that I've ever had. Uh, that's some a big of the statement. Here. You were in Youngstown a, for a long time. <laughs> it's a bold statement. Now, listen, I could easily be the person that has, you know, I miss MVR, you know, <laughs> as, as a label as well. Trust me. Uh, my waistline probably doesn't miss MVR at all, but, um, you know, but I would say it's one of those places that you 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 can uh, go out and always and, and find a new spot and and they, they got a little bit of everything. So and then you know like you said, there's some spots um, just here. We live in Henderson, uh, my wife and I, and uh, there's some good spots over on the end too. So you don't you don't uh, you don't go miss some good meals here in in Vegas. Got to eat. It's important. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> I'm glad Shirley you asked that question because I. I... I think like a lot of us, we've been there for bachelor parties, but I didn't know what it was like actually living there. Um, that, 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 and I didn't know Casino was based on a true, true story either. Uh, that's yeah, good. Absolutely. Movie. Good movie too. Uh, DK. Yeah. Karim, uh, so first, uh, obviously, again, thanks for being with us. And credit goes to Eric Wolford for bringing you here to Youngstown. I know you still have a great relationship to him, but, you know, obviously yeah. we got to give – credit first and foremost to Wolf for bringing you here and we all getting to know you. But question, you know, I kind of thought of is maybe you could share with us and, and the people listening and watching is some insight on how you draft, you know, an NFL offense alignment. What are you looking for? What, you know, when you're yeah. doing that, give us a little insight on that process and what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I, I think number one, I, 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 I lend, I go back to a lot of my, my time in college as far as evaluating players and, and the traits that you're looking for. Um, and then obviously you're just looking for them out of the biggest and the fastest and the, and, and the brightest. But um, one of the things I learned at New England, um, Coach Garnecchia and, and Coach Belichick and Josh all kind of had this saying of, you know, um, for offensive linemen, they've got to be, you know, smart, tough, and athletic enough. Like those three traits, smart, tough, athletic enough. Um, Coach Belichick had a, a process of, you know, he could spend his money elsewhere, but if he could find some some hidden gems at the offensive line position, um, you know, that could add value, but weren't you know high draft picks or expensive free agents, um, it allowed him to spend that money elsewhere. Um, so that's where the athletic enough comes in. Uh, you're looking for those traits, but the smart element, um, the 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 level of offense 
that that you take into a game plan obviously is significant in in our system and then also the 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 level of defense that you're going to see week to week uh, and and it changes from early downs to third down to goal line to third and long um, the situational football defenses that you see so it, it requires players to be smart i mean it, it is what it is um the toughness element, you know, twofold. Obviously, we know the position. You're moving a guy against his will and the physicality that it requires. But then also this the mental fortitude that an NFL season, you know, that toll that it takes on a player, uh, you know, 17 weeks plus training camp. Uh, and if you're doing it right, the offseason is not much of an offseason anymore. Um, and, and, it, and it takes, you know, a player that has some real grit, especially at our position, because it, it is grueling. You know, really, and with what the NFL does with travel, what the NFL now does with the shortened weeks, um, Sunday to a Thursday, is, is just such a challenge for these guys, um, especially late in the season. And, uh, you know, it really takes a toughness element. And then the athletic part is there's got to be some level of, uh, you know, the, the, that, that baseline modicum of athleticism. And it, it varies based upon position, tackle to guard, guard to center. Um, but then I'd also say one of the elements of, so those are the, kind of some of those traits. The other things would be versatility, you know. I always tell a player if they haven't demonstrated some level of versatility, whether it's a right tackle to left tackle swing or whether it's a guard to center flex or whether it's just guard to guard flex, if they don't have any flex, then they're going to need to be one of the top 10 players at their position uh, only because um, you need to add value. You know, again, one of the maxims from Coach Belichick and Coach McDaniels always said is, you know, the more you can do. And then we said that for coaches, but we also say that for players. And you add value to the club by having versatility. So that goes back to, you know, your athleticism, your toughness, your intelligence to be able to do other things and, and train and cross train. Um, so nevertheless, it's it's not easy. We know it's an imperfect science. Um, you kind of know it when you see it. Sometimes I, I'd like to think after 20 years of, uh, you know, you know, 15 of it in college, of evaluating players and, and now with the pros, you kind of you have an idea, but you're just training your eye then. And I, I think early on my time at New England, uh, the, uh, one of the projects I was tasked with was going back and kind of hindsight, going back and watching some players that, that you knew, okay, here's a five-year NFL vet. What did he look like as a senior coming out of college? You know, he was, you know, late round draft pick or, you know, it's, you know, it's always easy. Typically it's pretty easy to see those first round, those top 15 picks and that's a no brainer, but um, I think you can – there's real value in, in being able to evaluate a player and get to know them in, a, in an interview process and, and say, okay, the, you, know, you know, find a, 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 a gem or a diamond that uh, somebody else maybe didn't see as, as highly rated and, and you can get something out of it. That's something that I take pride in. Yeah, a little quick follow-up to that. I got hit up, I think we all did, by one of our loyal listeners and followers and – you know, and you know him pretty well, so we gotta, you know, we gotta give him a harsh analogy here. Could <laughs> could the elk, Chris Elkins, w- would you be <laughs> drafting Chris Elk? I mean, Lamar made he played for the Raiders. Mark Pratt was so many yeah. great players. You yeah. had. I, I don't have enough. We've named names, but give us an eval on the one and only Chris Elkins because he's gonna beat Sal up tomorrow if you give him a rough one. So, well, no. <laughs> I know what I know, and obviously I'm really biased because I had an opportunity to coach Chris, who was truly a tremendous player. Not much on the conversation, you know, but uh, he's a hell of a football player. Um, no, but truly, uh, Chris is a guy that it, truly he'd be he'd be one of those players you'd be evaluated in the late rounds 
Um, being honest, just, you know, a smaller school player um, at the FCS level, which if you can play, you can play. But nevertheless, there is we always look at, you know, is there value of just having seen a guy proven um, against, you know, week in and week out a guy from the SEC or the Big Ten, something like that. But Chris is a guy that um, definitely um, did and could have played longer in this league, uh, I think, for him. And his his stature and his his frame center obviously lent that to him. But he, you know, when you watched his his uh, his Steelers time, uh, you know, he had, he he was a functional guard in the NFL, but uh, center being his natural position for sure. But uh, yeah, explosiveness, toughs, quickness, um, space player, guy could get out in space, he could pull, um, which is, is again, that's you know, you you, you got to you know, athletic enough, you know, can, you know, and we, we require here in our system, um, kind of jack of all trades. So that's one of those things like some, there's some players you know, some offensive line coaches or some schemes are looking for just mass, you know, um, and, and, or, you know, it's bigger, the better. Uh, and you see that you look at some of the wide zone teams that are looking at very angular, kind of that Dan Becker, kind of that long lean kind of body type chefs and Spencer, and they're just running wide zone. They're just trying to cut you off every time. Uh, but we really, uh, in our system, because we kind of run all schemes and we, and also our space team screens, et cetera, we require a player to kind of be a jack of all trades. And Chris definitely would have fit that mold. I don't know if he would have gotten out all the calls. He'd have been whispering them, but you know. <laughs> Well, thanks for answering. Obviously, you, you recruited so many great old linemen here. You mentioned Spence. I think of Dylan Colucci, Brock, all, all those guys. Fred, and I, I'm I'm missing names, and I apologize, but a lot of great guys. But Elky lives down there with Sal, so he he was probably put Sal in a headlock tomorrow if we didn't get that question out there. So, all right, <laughs> man. Thanks. The point of the conversation is it's great when you work with them because when you're on a conference call, there's like nothing on the other end of the call. It's okay, thanks. All right. <laughs> And that's it. He doesn't. There's no rambling on. So the conference call goes like 30 seconds. It's it's awesome. <laughs> but uh, anyway, my question for you, and we're gonna have to get you back on in the off season. We're just gonna have to shorten the interview uh, because of you know we're in the heart of of postseason action. Uh, for those of us you know are, who have alma mater still playing in the playoffs, uh, great. It's my favorite question to ask. Crazy. Funniest story at Youngstown State, because I know for sure, even when I was with you, are crazy ones. And I mean, Dan's got the cake on all of them. But then another crazy, funny NFL story, and names are optional. You don't have to tell names if it's too personal, (laughs) but let's hear what you got. Goodness. When you said crazy YSU-like stories, I mean – I don't know where to begin. Like I'm sure Andrew Cinco is in that story somehow, some way he's a top five. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if the stories are so much of just, you know, the, those, those, those late evenings looking at your phone with a phone call, like, Oh my goodness. I, this can't be good. You know, whether DK is calling you or whether the players themselves are calling you. Uh, but I, I don't know. We, we had some great memories. Um, at Youngstown State, God, I think about Wolfie winking at me after uh, we ran a jet sweep versus Pitt to convert like a third down, and like we were going down the sideline. And I think at that point I was still nervous, but Wolfie knew we had it in the bag at that point. Um, <laughs> the the touchdown catch at Eastern Washington in the 2016 mm-hmm. playoff run. So they did it. They had to do it, the instant replay, and and I'm standing on the sideline there, and it's just freezing. I've never been associated with a game that cold. Well, one one game other um here in the pros but and i'm standing there waiting and this 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 uh, i mean the team had rushed the field and like we're all just kind of intermixed with waiting to see what the result's going to be 
and I'm standing next to the sideline judge and, uh, you know, kind of the coaches are all out somewhere about the numbers. And I asked him, like, so what's it going to be? And the guy goes, I don't know. I, I think it's a touchdown. But And he points at Pelini. He goes, but if they call this a non-touchdown, I'm running off the effing field. <laughs> 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 which were facts. Which were facts. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think I think all of us might have had, had some issue if they'd have called them a non-touchdown. But, um, no, just – and truly, that – some magical moments in my time at Youngstown State. This, you know, that, that I think it was culminated. With, I was there two more years after, but I think you just saw the 2016 run of, of what we started, Kurt. When we got there, mm-hmm. you were obviously already there, but DK, you know, with Wolfie and continuation through that. And I know Bo, Bo always talked to that um, as well. So that was, you know, those players, you know, those that came before us and set the standard um, for just, you know, that brief time uh, before and, and what we were there. Um, crazy stories in the NFL. Uh, I'll give, uh, I'll give two, one, when I first got to, we first got to new England, um, that first training camp, pretty spirited one-on-one. And we had Michael Bennett uh, of fame. I don't know if you know, Michael Bennett, um, D Lyman, uh, tremendous football player. Um, I, I don't think anybody would say I'd be speaking out of turn and say that Michael's, you know, he, he's, he's a wild one now. Mm-hmm. So we're I as my position as the assistant line coach at New England, I was I was in the back at the at the one on one pass rushes, and Michael had taken a rep against one of the players, whatever, and it kind of got heated, or whatever. And <laughs> one of those one of the, one of the other offensive linemen uh, were standing there when the rep was done. There was like a little you know, fracas, whatever. And as he's kind of getting up from the pile, one of the players I'm standing next to is kind of standing like this. Had some choice words for Michael Bennett. And Michael looks over and just stares with these wild eyes. But he's looking at me and because he, he thought I sent it. And I'm just like this. And I'm like just poker face. I'm just staring at him as he walks back away from, to the defensive, to the defensive side of the, of the drill. And as soon as he turns around, I looked at the player and I said, you had my back, right? You asked. I mean, like, <laughs> this guy was going to you know, rip my head off. I mean, like, I'm like, like so we had one of those good laughs. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, you know. Um, and then I would say the other one that I won't use any names, uh, but it's a, it's an epic story that I've told. And, and if we go off air, I'll give you the full background. But again, it's my first year in the pros. And one of the things you do, so uh, on road trips, you, you got two buses, the first bus and, and late bus that take you over to the stadium. So, um, and, and coach Belichick system, the position coaches, all of us will at some point have bed check and you literally knock on the door, go in, open and shut. I mean, this is like bed check, like anywhere else. Um, in colleges and, and uh, it's kind of a tradition, but um, so I had bet check that night. Well, then the next morning you have check-in. So you're at the, you're at the breakfast, you're down waiting and all the players have to breeze through and you just make sure they're awake and they're, they're, you know, they're alive. I've got one guy, kind of a, you know, a pretty famous player. One guy that hasn't checked in with me and first bus is getting ready to leave, you know, in, in like 10 minutes. I'm like, Oh, that's not a big deal. Well, first bus comes and goes. And now we're like maybe 15 minutes away from second bus and everybody else has checked in with me. And I'm thinking, oh, man, oh, man, this is my first time I'm doing it, you know. So I, I'm like, all right. So I tell the assistant coach, hey, I'm going to go up to the floor. I got his room number. I'm going to go check on this guy. So when I get off the floor, like team security had already tore down. Like, like it's that late. Like everybody's at the stadium already ready to roll. And when I get off the t- when I get off the bus, there's this cat with sunglasses and like definitely not a member of, of, of security walking the halls, knocking on a door. And I'm like, this is can only be for where what room I'm going to check. And he looks at me and he says, hey, where's so-and-so's room? I said, yeah, follow me. Yeah. So so we go beep off and, and we're hustling down the hallway here. And, and when I knock on the door, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm stealing myself. Like, here we go. 
door opens up and what guy I can only describe dressed head to toe and what an outfit would have been like out of casting from Scarface, like, like <laughs> bowler hat, like no tucky shirt, <laughs> linen pants, slippers, like looks at me, nods at me. Well, other dude, sunglasses goes in the door and the door shuts. And I'm like, Oh, I ain't in trouble. Well, before the door shuts, I see player XYZ walking by me. I'm like, yo, we got to go. He's like, and it's like that, isn't it? I was like, yeah, it's like that. And the door <laughs> shuts. And I'm like, I'm in trouble. I, how am I going to tell Coach Belichick that, like, you know, star players are not here to spawn my watch? Two player X's credit. Six minutes later, door flies open. He looks at me. He's dressed to head to toe in Gucci, probably my salary in an outfit. Let's Looks at me like, like he's Ric Flair and says, let's ride. And the four of us go rolling down the hallway like I, I and I like literally I'm thinking to myself, OK, well, welcome to the NFL. Like, here we go. And went out and, and played a great game and all was well. But I thought for sure it was over before it began. Oh, God. I, I know this is your story time, your segment. It just reminds me real quick of uh, Dan. I remember uh, my sophomore year. There is a coach, I know you know Jerry Osowski was the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was, before you, he was um, our linebacker coach. And we're at North Dakota State, and same thing, his player was missing. He goes in one door to go find him. It was Stephen Meadows, I'll share with you guys. And, <laughs> and Meadows comes out the other door and hops on the bus. And the GA at the time, check, was like, all right, Meadows, we got everyone, and we pull away, and we're like two, three blocks down the street, and I turn around, so I was like, I don't see Jerry on the bus, and I see Jerry coming out of the hotel looking around like, oh, shit, and I go up to Dan, I'm like, Dan, we left Jerry, and and, Dan, and Dan's eyes go like this, and he's like, oh, luckily, Jerry was smart enough that he had the hotel, he actually got to the Fargo door before us, but yeah, those are scary moments when you're like, Oh shit! You're supposed to be on the bus. I could imagine what the NFL's like, but the last man you want to leave behind is Coach O, because I'm not <laughs> oh, afraid of too many man. people, but I'm afraid of Jerry O. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the one thing on, on you mentioned Bo Pelini on that uh, Eastern Washington game, just to share when we went back for games and we were in the stands. We did not have headsets. However, we did hear everything Bo Pelini did say to you as an assistant. We didn't hear what you said, but we heard what was being said to you. Yeah. Uh, Cyril, no I'm going to flip it over to you. I know we had one question from a legendary defensive lineman for Coach Marcillo. Yeah, Coach Carm, we got we had another one sneak in there, but it'll be quick. So, um, absolute staple of a YSU locker room with our time there, uh, DJ Moss. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Coach, but, um, you know, DJ Moss is, I think, uh, six years sober. And yep. um, he just wanted to, you know, poke a little fun at that. And uh, he said, who's your favorite number 98 that you've coached? <laughs> sober 98 that you've coached. Is it Max Crosby or DJ Moss? And to to some of the people waiting for the answer, there's only one answer. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's DJ, I would say, at this point on this <laughs> podcast for certain. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny. When I got hired, it, looking at uh, Max on the field, I would have thought, like, God, that's like a spitting image of DJ. You know, really. I mean, yeah. So The red beard. You should see <laughs> you, his red you, beard you right stretch, now. If you stretch, you stretch <laughs> yeah. DJ out by about three <laughs> feet. So, but uh, it's it's amazing, actually, to see Max play. His, his uh, 
he is truly a testament. I mean, he, he, he lives and breathes his sobriety and he pours everything into this game. Um, and, and his motor doesn't stop. What you see on game day is what I've got to deal with every day at practice because it's the exact same. And, it, and it's a testament to him. Uh, and it truly, it, it creates some frustrations for an O-line coach. But I, I absolutely have the utmost respect for the guy because the way he plays the game is how it's supposed to be played. Absolutely. And then uh, Richard Wolf, super fan of the Penguins, super fan of uh, our show here. Um, he, he says he, he misses you, hopes you're doing well. But he, he wants to know, and there's only one right answer for this as well, Coach. Who is your favorite YSU equipment manager when you were there? Oof. Easy answer. Well, Kristen's listening. Uh, well, I, I'm just going to say this. I mean, the all-time, God rest his soul, Carmen can cease. I, oh, I mean, love it. You know, I mean, I, I, I feel like I was, you know, obviously, you know, th- those that have come after that didn't have a chance to get to know that man. And, and what he what he represented, and uh, you see it still in his family and that legacy of the restaurant and the boys and everyone else. But um, I mean, I'm I don't know what the right answer was, but that's my answer right there. There it is. That is the right answer. That yeah. is. Carm- when are they going to rename it the the Carmen Cassis Equipment Room? I think they already did, but we should get some. They did, Dan. He's muted. I believe yeah, so. I, I believe there's a big so. Mural I think- in there. Yeah, there's a sign above the equipment room doors, honor and Carm there, and yeah, we we all, no nobody's like Carmine Cassis. He was the best. Yeah, truly, truly the best. Hey, it was really. Maybe Tim and Alvy will need us back to go into the equipment room. Maybe they'll want us to come back so we can double check that it's Carm. So we'll, let's go back there, and I'm sure yeah. Alvy will love to see us. Yeah, let's. And yeah. Tim too. <laughs> yeah. I w- I will say this about. Uh, Cassis, Carm Cassis is, man, as a freshman, he's like, he wasn't dishing you any <laughs> gear out. He's like, you've been mm-hmm. here for two weeks, brother. Like, you're not getting an extra shirt. Yeah. Like, go wear your. No, no. That... Yeah, what are you talking so... about? If you wanted that shirt, you had to go down and get it from behind the bar. <laughs> yeah, so. It was. Uh, Love that. Uh, but... uh, anyway. That's a uh, good one. Carm, um we definitely want you to stay on the show and, and, and shoot the shit and talk FCS football with us. If you got to go at any time, just kind of raise your hand and, and we'll give you time to yeah. sign out, but definitely want you to stay I with am, us. Uh, Sal, I'm actually, I'm going to take that opportunity only because uh, I, like I said, we're in the midst of the season. This is my first day off since well, was that July 20th that we reported. So I'm actually going to sneak out here. We're going to go get a Christmas tree and entertain my uh, daughter. Awesome. But uh, nice. I can't thank you guys enough. Please, I hope you'll have me back on. I love what you guys are doing. I'm so excited for YSU. Trust me, I'll be rooting for them versus Villanova. Uh, you know, actually, one of my last acts of a Penguin coach was to help recruit and sign Jason Williams. Uh, hmm. the, uh, the right tackle there, who I believe is still playing, correct? He's yeah. Chase doing yeah. a good job. Yeah. For out of Trotwood, yeah. So, he's still there. Um, yeah, yeah. No, uh, good football player. I'm sure I'll be. Uh, I'm sure he'll be on my radar here to take a look at at the end of the season. But uh, so uh, I'll be rooting for the Penguins. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys having me on. I miss you guys. It's a lot of good memories just sitting here looking yeah. at your, your smiling faces <laughs> yeah. on here. Keep up the good work. Thanks, yeah. Carl. Thank you, Thanks for being here, man. Uh, Thanks, same guys. with you, man. I appreciate we, it, guys. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Love you. Moving on, guys, uh, we're just going to recap the week that was uh, last week, and I'll brief, 
go through this as quickly as possible. We'll get into Villanova and then just make our picks to wrap the show up. Uh, recapping last week, actually, Kurt and I, you and I tied. We had both won, so I gave us each a point. So I have four points overall. Uh, you now have five. Um, and uh, I believe Cyril's got actually going to be updated. And, and Dan, you still have one, and you are actually tied with Moss, who's one. <laughs> He's got a point in the one week he was with us. Recap of the week, that was uh, starting with really what was the game of the week, and it did not disappoint. Sacramento State at North Dakota. Sacramento State wins and covers 42-35. to 35. North Carolina Central at Richmond was close for a little bit, and then Richmond pulled away to win and cover 49-27. to 27. Delaware, very close game as Lafayette was at Delaware. Delaware holds on to win 36-34. to 34. Uh, Garner Webb at Mercer. Mercer wins 17 to 7, but they had full control despite what the score may have said. Nichols was at Southern Illinois, which was a whipping. Southern Illinois runs the show 35 to 0. Chattanooga at Austin P. A lot of people did not think Chattanooga deserved to be there. Uh, they basically spoke by winning the game and covering. Chattanooga wins 24 to 21. Drake. Uh, who was an auto bid, was at the Fargo Bill, North Dakota State. North Dakota State does what they sometimes like to do, 66-3. to And lastly, we already talked about how your Youngstown State Penguins beat Duquesne 40-7. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has any questions, comments on the week that was before we turn the page. I know I have a few comments, but I'll let someone else speak if anyone has anything to say. Yeah, the only thing that was interesting, the only thing that was interesting to me was um, it looked like Lafayette was really up big on Delaware, and we had heard a lot of good things about Lafayette. We just weren't unsure a little bit about their conference. So when I saw that score, and I had Delaware, I think winning a couple games, I was like, "Dang, man, Delaware is not it." And then all of a sudden they came storming back. And then I know I don't know if you're going to touch on it here in Delaware this week, going to the Conference USA. With the five million dollar application fee, definitely a conversation for the off season, but. Why not do this a couple months ago when it was 5K? <laughs> well, speaking of speaking on that, uh, I'm going to ignore the the jump from FCS comment. Like you said, that's for for the off season. But speaking about the Delaware Lafayette game, if you saw that crazy play, I'm sure it's on every highlight reel on Sports yes. Center. The the what was it? A fump interception. Yes. And fumble for a touchdown, which, you know, that was just – that's playoff football right there, just absolutely not giving up on a play at all, period. Doesn't matter the the situation that you're in. Um, So, you know, that turns out that's the difference in the game, a two-point win that Delaware could have very easily just accepted that interception and probably would have lost by five or so. Yeah, I'm glad he mentioned that because that was crazy. He picked it in the end zone, ran it out to maybe the five-yard line, and then the offense stripped the ball out of his hands and ran it the other five yards for the touchdown. Nuts. Uh, the the one thing I had to share, and again, it's it's more so to talk of the offseason. I really want to talk about it mostly with Strollo, um, is the – have y'all watched FBS? Rivalry weekend was just absolutely electric. Um, 
every rivalry was just fun to watch, and I'm not going to waste anyone's time mentioning specific games. Everyone knows every game was awesome. And two things on that note. Uh, one, it goes back to when we mentioned on the offseason a little bit how we need an, a rivalry game. And I know we mentioned Villanova, and I know we're playing them this weekend to kind of kick it off, and then we're opening up with them uh, in 24 and 25 in a home-and-home -home series. That's great and all, but it really needs to be the last game of the season, and it needs to be a continuous thing. I love that it's out of conference. It's only a plus because – a, it's a resume booster for both programs to get in. And uh, B, let's say we unfortunately go two and eight. It gives us something to look forward to and something to play for. Uh, you know, whether you're Washington State, Florida, Georgia Tech, you guys know who were those people are who we know had nothing to play for, but they showed up and showed out and tried ruining seasons. It's a lot of fun. And then the other thing on FBS that I'm glad we don't do at FCS is especially now going to the 12-team playoff, that rivalry weekend was so electric, and now we got to turn the page to conference game championships. They really need to cancel the conference championships. And I know it was mentioned before, I think maybe on the show, hey, we should have a conference championship. When you have 24 teams in the playoffs, or as they're going to 12, that's really a BS game that makes no sense. I think – they should have just ended the season on what was a great weekend last weekend, but that, that's my two cents on uh, last week. Lock it up. Lock it up. Okay. As you know, your Youngstown State Penguins won round one of five, moving on to round two of the playoffs of five. Youngstown State is at number eight seed, Bill Onova, 12 p.m. this Saturday, December 2nd. Uh, on the outskirts of Philadelphia, on the east side of PA. Uh, just kind of rapidly going through, they are the CAA Auto Bid Champion. Uh, they finished with a 7-1 and record in conference, 9-2 and overall. Uh, one of those losses, I believe, checking my notes, was to FBS UCF, and the other one was to, New, uh, was to Albany. Um, they actually tied with Albany and Richmond in between the three. They won the three-way tie uh, to win. One thing about the CAA is they have a contract with Flow Sports, uh, which makes it very hard for anyone to see CAA teams. So really, this postseason, everyone's getting the first look at CAA teams and what they are and how, who they are. Uh, quick note on Villanova. As I mentioned, they were the auto bid. They gained the number eight seed, which means they had a bye week last week, and they get to host us as their uh, first playoff game. Mark Ferrante, if I pronounce that right, has been their head coach. Uh, he was their head coach since 2017, but this guy's a Villanova lifer. He's been on the staff since 1987, been promoted from assistant to coordinator to head coach. As head coach, he's taken – Villanova to the postseason a couple times. Uh, he's one and two in the postseason as head coach. Um, Youngstown State has great history on it. I'm, I know I'm going to let Dan kind of mention a couple games, but Youngstown State's seven and two overall against Villanova. Uh, we haven't played since '99, so we haven't really. The, the record looks dominant, but we haven't played them since our dominant '90s decade. Um, and as I mentioned before, not only are we playing them this weekend. Uh, one of us is going to lose, 
And our very next game is Labor Day weekend, 24. We're at Nova, and then 25, they're at our place. So definitely need to get familiar with these guys. Uh, Dan, just recalling, you're, you're the um, – you're the longtime life for the the elder on the show who, who may remember some of these games. Thanks. That's a kind way of saying I'm old, which I am. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there's uh, just real quick, two games. I mean, and, and I want to get to Kurt and Kyle to do some scouting report stuff, but legendary games that really kind of set tones. Uh, the first one was in 1991. Uh, you know, Jim Trussell, the coach uh, in the playoffs, uh, we're trailing 16, 14 in the fourth quarter. Um, I think we featured this on the page, right, uh, Kurt? It's yep. it's known as the catch, but, you know, obviously Carm talked about the catch part two in Eastern Washington, but Ray Isaac scrambles and uh, it's fourth and 11. Uh, you know, I think it was under two minutes ago in the game, obviously. He throws a pass up to Herb Williams, good friend of ours, good friend of the show, tips the ball to himself, falls down, catches it. First down, they go on. Jeff Wilkins kicks a 33-yard field goal, and YSU wins 17-16, and then goes on to win the first national championship. So that that game kind of in a in a way set up, you know, kind of got the wheels in motion for the great run of the 90s. And then in 97, I was actually at this game. I drove out with two of my guys, uh, T. Montana and Paul Patton, and they played at Villanova. Villanova was the number one seed. YSU was the eighth seed. Villanova jumps out on top 21-0 in the first half. It was a blowout. I'm like, oh, man, drove to Philly. Everyone's like 28-14 at half. They're putting it to us. And then, you know, typical legend of the 90s and Coach Trust, they had 23 unanswered to win the game 37-34. And a huge change in the game was a blocked punt. I believe it was Reggie Scurry, one of your Florida boys, Sal, he blocks the punt, and uh, Willis Marshall picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown, and we were just going crazy in the stands. I mean, you had grown men literally tackling each other. It was, it was nuts. And uh, so, you know, that was just a classic win in this rivalry to come back from 21 Uh The godfather just kept running the football. Uh, I was talking to one of the uh, – he's a All-American Hall – should should be, if not already. I think he is a Hall of Famer, Matt um, – hog um uh just today and they were running old school pulling the center and backside guard running some tray and uh and then typical dave they just kept running winning it and uh, our former guest on the show harry del giannis in the fourth quarter towards the end of the game just took over they couldn't block them and so it was just those two games really kind of define this rivalry and you know we, we've had villanova's number in the past so be interested if we can bring some magic back there to Philly. So thanks for letting me say that. I know there's some of those guys from those teams that listen to our show and they deserve some recognition because they were big time plays, man, when it really, really mattered. So thank you, DK. Uh Scouter Report, uh Curdy. Yeah, so talking Villanova defense here, there's really three guys that stood out to me. They're all linebackers. That's definitely the strength uh, and where the most production comes. Um, number 35, Brendan Bell is their senior linebacker out of New Jersey. Leads the team in tackles. He's got nine and a half TFLs and three sacks. Uh, number 31, Shane Hartzell. Uh, he's a sophomore linebacker. He's got four TFLs and three sacks. He's a Pennsylvania guy. Uh, number 27, Danny Abraham is a Harvard transfer out of Massachusetts. 
those guys, they kind of play in a 3-3 stack for the most times. Um, sometimes they'll get into like kind of a base 3-4, three, um, three down linemen. I, I don't know if that's what they recruit to, if that's part of their system. I don't know Villanova as well historically, um, but definitely confusing up front. Uh, when you play with three down linemen and you start to bring two or three guys, it, it can be very confusing for the O-line up front. So communication is going to be key this week. Uh, using your running back to support the uh, pass protection is going to be key this week. Uh, like I said, linebackers are the best. It was listening to uh, Coach Phillips talk a little bit in this press conference this week. He kind of started to compare the two programs, um, both you know similar traditions, similar prestige. But he gave the nod to Villanova. Uh, in terms of recency, uh, recent consistency, and they've been to the playoffs three times, I think, in the last six years. I think they're one and two in those games. And going back and diving in, doing a little bit of research, two years ago, they had South Dakota State, I think it was 2021 playoffs, and they were up 21-14 at half before South Dakota State rambled off a couple touchdowns and ended up taking it from Villanova. But, you know, this team's no joke. Defensively, they're no joke. They're solid everywhere. It's going to come down to taking care of the football. Uh, like Coach Phillips said in the press conference, it's going to come down to um, who makes the least mistakes. These are all fundamental games, and every team you play from here on out is going to be very, very good, and, and it starts with Villanova. Cheryl? Yeah, just to uh, second that, this this offense is really, um, really explosive. They're averaging over 32 points a game. 223 rushing yards a game, 216 passing yards a game on average. They have 28 touchdowns on the ground, 19 in the air. Uh, pretty solid on third downs. Uh, okay in the red zone. They're 32 for 44, scoring 28 touchdowns out of those 44 visits. Um, but they're but they're led by uh, their quarterback Connor Watkins, um, third team All CAA. He's completing 58% of his throws, which is fourth in passing efficiency in the country. Um, has 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So uh, that's that's okay. I mean, I think there's some some room to um, maybe steal one from him if our defensive line uh, gets consistent pressure after him. But this kid will run the ball and escape. 424 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns. Um, on the ground. Uh, but there's a lot of conference guys on this offense. Uh, first teamer, uh, Rajon Pringle, Michael Corby, who's an offensive lineman. We don't really talk about offensive linemen that much, uh, just cause you know, we're, their stats aren't really, um, sexy to the fans. Right. So they got two, two all conference offensive linemen that are, are going to make, uh, our job a little tough this week to, to consistently get some pressure and, and to um, make some plays. Cause like I said, they are averaging 223 yards on the ground, which I think this is going to be the most balanced offense this team has seen, but uh, pretty explosive regardless of what they do. So uh, the backfield is led by uh, Jalen Jackson, second team, CAA, he's averaging 92 yards on the ground, 16th nationally in um, yards per game rushing. Uh, but the one guy that is going to be a problem is Rajon Pringle. He is first-team All-CAA, 13th nationally in yards per game uh, through the air. Can do it all. He runs a little bit. They get him out on some jet sweeps and things like that. Uh, and 
another guy that popped up is, and I, I have no idea how to say this guy's name, is number one, Ayo Derogier. And then there's like a comma TD. So I don't know if they just call him TD, but it fits because he's responsible for nine total touchdowns. He is um, a second team all-conference player as a specialist. So I think, I don't know if they were just trying to find a spot for him to get all-conference, but he's a pretty dynamic and explosive player. So um, definitely got to watch out for those two guys. He's listed as a running back. So... He can he can spell Jalen Jackson, and it would probably just be like our Tyshawn King and Dre Rushton combo. Um, really not not losing anything when one of those guys comes off the field. So I think it would be a similar dynamic there between those two guys. So I think these Penguins got their hands full, um, but I think we can uh, meet the task at hand. Thank you, Cyril. Uh, just diving straight into keys of the game and score predictions. I'm going to kick it off. Uh, as I think I told you guys earlier in the day, there was supposed to be a 40% chance of rain in Villanova on Saturday. Uh, as I'm looking tonight and we're recording Tuesday night, uh, there's now no rain on Saturday. It's going to rain heavily on Friday, heavily on Saturday. So it's probably going to be a wet field. And I'm sure it's going to change throughout the week. But for now, it's cloudy and a high of 52, which is a noon game. Uh, I think it's going to be an intense game. I think it's one of those whoever blinks first loses. That being said, uh, my key to the game is uh, don't turn the ball over. Uh, as Sir likes to kind of say, you know, don't make any stupid mistakes. Don't jump off sides. But don't turn it over. You don't need to be aggressive, Coach Phillips. Don't go for it on fourth down in the middle of the field. You could punt the ball and play defense. I think the first team that makes a mistake is going to be the team that ends up losing the game. So be conservative. Don't turn the ball over. I have the Penguins winning 21-17 to in a, in a really will be a low-scoring game until maybe the end. Hurt, I think that's you. All right. Um, yeah, so I, I would say key to the game is communication. Um, and this is really targeted towards offensive line and defensive backfield. So communicate the blitzes, communicate the odd fronts. Seems to be a lot of run through when, when linebackers are coming from depth uh, for the run game. So call out your keys. I was kind of hoping Coach Carm would be here for this so we could talk a little bit more about odd front. But it's tricky playing against a different um, non-traditional type of 3-3 stack or 3-4. So offensive line communicate. And to Sal's point, de defensive backfield, you need to communicate. Because if there's some there's some explosive plays or you know these guys, this is their first time playing in the playoffs this season and they're playing at home they're going to have a flea flicker a halfback pass a double pass a reverse or something they're ready to put it out so defensive backfield communicate offensive line communicate I got the Penguins getting down early but cardiac kids like last year coming back to win thirty one twenty seven I think that's uh, me, Sal. So, um, yeah, I, I think we just have to continue to run the ball and be patient. I mean, Sal, you brought up some good points. It's going to be cold, maybe rainy and all that. This is uh, going to be classic playoff weather. We've got to be patient and continue to run the ball. I think one of my other keys is, and you guys, I mean, Kyle, from a defensive standpoint and Kurt throwing the guys, they're probably going to figure a way out to bracket 
um, Bryce. They're going to try and take Bryce away from us. I mean, how could you not? Uh, so someone, be it CJ or Max or maybe one of the tight ends. I mean, Serrano, number 15, is having a nice year that we're going to have to find, you know, maybe going to be patient even when we're throwing the ball to it might not be Bryce. So look for the next guy. They need to have a game. Time of possession is going to be huge. If we're able to run the ball, keep them off the field uh, is huge. And in, in my mind, especially when you get into the playoffs this late, um, I think Kyle mentioned what uh, Duquesne only had the ball for 17 minutes. I mean, if we can do that again, we're, we got a chance to win. I got us winning 27, 24 and just another classic. Cause that's when YSU and Villanova play. It's usually a classic, and they're a good football team. So uh, those are my keys in the prediction. On to you, Kyle. Yeah, my key is I think our best defense this week is going to be our offense, like Coach said. we got to control that control that clock because I, I think this offense is really explosive, and, and I don't want our guys to get hung out there too long, get, um, you know, uh, get tired or, or whatever the case may be. You know, the more opportunities that that offense has – to uh, throw the ball downfield, I think they're going to connect on uh, on a few of those. So I, I don't want to be in that situation. Um, eliminate the the pre snap penalties. Always going to be number one for me. Uh, and uh, just rotate these rotate that defensive line. Consistently get after this quarterback like it's the last game you're going to play because you, you just don't know right now. It's the playoffs. It could very well be. So um, disrupt that guy. Make him. Make him uh, put the ball somewhere that he doesn't want to put it. Uh, I think this game's going to be a little bit higher scoring. Uh, I have the Penguins edging the the Wildcats thirty five to thirty four. Uh, before we get to the rest of it, uh, throw any any YouTube live uh, predictions out there. Yeah. So. Uh, Wolf, Richard Wolf has the Penguins winning forty-two to thirty-eight. Another close game, maybe a little walk-off um, field goal or something there. DJ Moss has the Penguins thirty-one twenty-four. He's, you know, pretty spot on with, I would say, ninety percent of his scores that he's he's given us. And then uh, Michael Metzinger, I was just chilling with his dad up in the uh, box over there for the Duquesne game. Uh, he has the Penguins winning. 31 to 28 with a Lastovka walk-off field goal. Nice. Well, let's uh, transition over to talk about the rest of the week. Uh, before we get into it, Searle, over back to you, actually, man. Guys, I lost my cheat sheet, so I'm, I'm flying by the, the seat of my pants here. His Our picks are brought to you. Good. Our picks are brought to you by Lion Oil Company. Um, you know, great family there. Leading uh, lubricant supplier in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan and beyond. Uh, continuing to de- uh, continue dedication to the Penguins programs, that, which lead to our success. And, and we really can't do um, part of our show without them. Our, our programs can't run without them and the other boosters that we have involved. So, we just thank the Leiden family and everyone else behind the scenes for Penguin programs. Thank you, Cheryl. And let's dive into the picks uh, this week. Of course, please say who you're going to win and who you're picking to cover. Uh, we'll go myself, Kurt, Dan, and Cheryl in that order. 
Uh, everyone's playing Saturday, December 2nd. I'm hoping in the later rounds we have some Friday night games um, as um, usually there, there's like a Friday night primetime game. But everyone's playing Saturday, December 2nd this week, uh, mostly during the day. Starting with Richmond. Richmond is at their conference CAA opponent at U Albany. Uh, starts at noon. Albany is a minus 12 favorite. Uh, I'm picking Albany to win, but I think 12 is a lot of points. I think Richmond is uh, is a really good team. I'm taking Richmond on the points. Yeah, 12 is a tough one right here, but I'm going to go Richmond money line. Thanks. I'm going to go, uh, I'm with you, Sal. Albany wins the game, but they don't cover. Oh, let's see. What What is the uh, the spread there? Sorry, I was bringing up my bracket. 12. Ooh, Why is 12? 12. 12, yeah. that's a lot. I think I have Albany winning, but um, I can see Richmond covering this. So give me Richmond to cover. All right, I'm going to quickly put us down. As you all know, Youngstown State's at Villanova noon. Villanova is an eight-and-a-half favorite. We all picked YSU Moneyline, so I'll just jot our name down. Move on. Chattanooga is also playing an in-conference game. Uh, it's kind of not in favor on the way I get that regionality, but I hate that these in-conference people are playing each other. Chattanooga's at their conference opponent, Furman. Uh, 1 p.m. Furman is a minus four uh, favorite. Uh, I'm picking Chattanooga to win and cover. Furman's a really good team, but I have a weird feeling that after the bye, Furman's not going to come out, and Chattanooga's really uh, kind of feeling themselves and ready to make noise. I'm going Chattanooga. I'll take Furman to win and cover. I'll echo that. Give me Furman to win and cover. Yeah, uh, give me the cover by Furman. Sacramento State, after upsetting North Dakota, they now go to South Dakota. Sacramento State is at South Dakota, 2 p.m. South Dakota, the number three seed, is a minus six-point favorite at home. Um, I'm feeling the same way about Sacramento State as Chattanooga. I think they're they're starting to feel hot at the right time. I think Sacramento State's going to win and cover. Uh, I will take Sacramento State with the points. South Dakota is going to win. I like them being at home in their own place, in their own environment, but Sacramento State will keep it close. I, I agree. Give me South Dakota to win. I say they kick a late field goal to win that game, but um, Sac State will cover those points, but give me South Dakota on the win. Guys, I'm probably going to move to South Dakota one day. Uh, give me the Yotes <laughs> to cover. <laughs> Mercer, who is uh, in the playoffs for the first time and won their first playoff game, kudos to them. Unfortunately, they are paying the number one undefeated seed, our conference champ, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. 2 p.m. South Dakota State is a minus 19 and a half favorite. Uh, I'm, well, I'm very happy Mercer gets to play them uh, before we do and hopefully wears them out because uh, South Dakota State is going to come out and take some names and kick some butt. They're going to win by a million, Jackrabbits. They will not have any mercy on Mercer. So win and cover, Jacks. Yeah, Jacks just absolutely roll in this game. I, I, they might shut them out, so they're covering easily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just 
Just yeah. Throw me on that list. Just, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The game of what could be the game of the week. North Dakota State is at Montana State. 3 p.m. Uh, this is the only road team that's favored as the Bison are actually a minus one point favorite on the road at Montana State. Uh, as you guys know, I've been kind of singing it all year long. I think they're posers, and I think Montana State will step up to the plate and uh, win the game. I got Montana State money line. Yeah, Sal, I think this is the game for you that really determines whether I believe you or not. If North Dakota State <laughs> loses this game, I jump on the bandwagon with you, and I say that the dynasty is over. But I'm picking the Bison to win. and I, Yeah, to pick them, right? Yeah, Bison win. Yeah, Sal's been Sal is right on the verge of just a historic call. I, I mean, they're going to be writing articles about you, Sal, on this one. But I I just don't believe the Bison are dead yet. I don't know how. Wow, I mean, they're a road favorite out in the cold weather in I think that's Bozeman, Montana, or Missoula. I forget which one, but I think the Bison are going to win, and uh, I think they might win by a touchdown or more. So. Wow. Oh, man. The Bison are built for uh, December football. They just really are, and that's been ingrained in that program for years, like over a decade. Uh, With that being said, give me the Bobcats. You got to, before you do that, say not so fast, my friend. Yeah, See, that was a yeah, classic so leap. You set us uh, up for that one. Set us up. Well, Delaware let a few get away from them. And as we know, Delaware, uh, they, they only have one more season than FCS before they jump to the FBS Conference USA. Delaware is at the very hot Montana Grizz. That is a 9 p.m. game. Montana is a minus four at home. Uh, in my opinion, I think that's a little insulting. I think the Grizz blow them out of the water. What Montana uh, winning and covering? Yeah, I got man- Montana winning and covering. Yeah, Grizz was my pick of a team that, when we talked the playoff bracket, was a sleeper or whatever you want to call it. But the Grizz will absolutely put a beat down on Delaware. Send them off to. Conference USA. Yeah, the Grizz is a team that they they started their season slow, but they have been just dismantling people towards the end. Uh, you know, give me an alternate line. Give me Grizz minus nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last game is our conference foe. Southern Illinois at Idaho is a 10 p.m. national televised on ESPN2. Idaho is a minus two and a half favorite um before i pick i don't want to go on a tangent but southern illinois i know they won 35-0 and we'll have to talk about this more in the offseason but when you have nichols uh drake i mean some of these teams is getting it on the auto bid i mean enough's enough i mean they don't belong just because they southern illinois won 35-0 doesn't make them good it just goes to show that these auto bids are uh, unnecessary. Um, I think Idaho is going to expose Southern Illinois, just like the Penguins did in the regular season. I think Idaho is going to run them out of the park and send them back to uh, Saluki Town. Give me Idaho. 
Yeah, Sal, I think that is highly likely. Um, I think this is Idaho's first trip to the FCS playoffs, right? They were FBS yes. for a while. Yeah. And this is their first taste of the Valley as I have my Valley sweatshirt on. So give me Southern Illinois here. Maybe the bye week for a first-time FCS uh-huh. playoff opponent against the Valley. We've been preaching it all year. Give me the Salukis. I don't I don't understand their team at all, but give me the Salukis. Jiminy Crickets. Jiminy uh-huh. Crickets. Well, something's going on that Idaho's – is that line you said minus two and a half? Yes, I mean, I, I don't know what that's all about. Something Somebody knows something. I like – Kurt's thinking, but I love Sal's comments. So I, I, I'm just give me the home team. I mean, give, <laughs> give yeah, give me Idaho at night weather. Uh, give me Idaho to win by like six. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about Southern Hill. They're weird. Um, I would love to have. Uh, obviously, I've been breaking down our own you know, pre and post game stuff. I would love to like kind of dig in and see what, how this Idaho team is built. If they got a couple defensive linemen to, to get after that Southern Hill quarterback, but I, I have Idaho uh, beating Southern Hill and covering. I, a quick question, Sal. Kurt mentions, I think Idaho might've been at the one double a level back at, when I almost so old back in the nineties, maybe someone can Google that real quick. Are they the Vandals? They're the Vandals. Yes. I, yeah, I'm sure Vandals. at some point they were FCS. I just, yeah, they I've okay. always known them as FBS. Yeah, they, they traveled. Yeah, they traveled to ISU and one of Tress's really, really good teams and played here in like a a blizzard back in the day. But I'm so, so old. I was a student back. back then. I could be senile and I'm thinking a different shit. I don't know, but I think it, I think they played here. Yeah, they were Mountain West. Uh, they're actually whack, and I think when Boise kind of uh, took off. Boise just yeah. completely dominated that state, and it really yep. just – they just couldn't win a whack game. And then when, I think when the whack folded, they were kind of like left okay. out the dry and said maybe we need to drop down and regroup, which it was a good move because they successfully regrouped, and they're they're not a laughing stock. They're competitive again. Um, but interesting take. Uh, Searle, we, we, we're, we're going to try to lock down the show, but any other YouTube live comment, shout outs, uh, questions before we try to lock it up for the night? Yeah, it's just, you know, one comment. I'm just so disappointed in, in Quiggs. He, uh, he opted to go to his in laws Thanksgiving last Saturday. Um, so just really disappointed there to see that. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Let's see if I got anything else. Well, we saw DJ it in the has, attendance numbers, so don't we? We got it. DJ Another. has the the bison, um, and cigars and salukis. So, and he said something about Nichols spent twenty two hours in the Carbondale Airport. I don't know what that's all about. But, I did see that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, oh, they did. Gosh. Yeah, I would. I would lose my mind if I had, especially after a beatdown like that. I would. I'd be throwing hands with somebody. I would. This was post game. They were stuck in the airport twenty two hours. I would imagine. Why would you be there for twenty two hours if you're just arriving? But I don't. I don't know. It was pregame. Did they lose yeah. their hotel reservation or something? I don't know. I, I heard that part of why the whooping took place. But Nichols, oh, I'd still be throwing hands or something. Yeah. But yeah. What the follow up on so that? Shame on Quigs for in laws Thanksgiving. I'm sad. Thirty. <laughs> IG, any shout-out, questions, comments from that? 
No, we're all good, man. Let's go to Villanova and watch this game. Uh, before I lock it up, Dan, anyone have anything else to add? No, I'm I'm good. I like your rival week uh, game. I don't know who that would be at that late, but it'd be great to play like Akron or Kent that late. But they it couldn't work out probably scheduling. But I like your thought. Yeah. He's well, Akron and Kent play each other for rivalry week. Yeah, exactly hey, right. call it. Yeah, I think it's the old. It was the trash bowl. It was the trash bowl this uh, this year. Akron it was electric won. this year. It, it was crazy. It's yeah, they're just absolute. I don't know. It's like bum. It was like bum fights sanctioned yes. by the NCAA. It was <laughs> it, an zero and seven Kent team taking on an zero and seven Akron team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, but we need to get a, a FCS blue bud within the region. That's why I think Nova's perfect. Someone out of conference that um, that actually had been there. Dude, I love I love the Nova idea, and um, you know, I was kind of thinking we're all like frustrated with. You know the travel and the fans and in the conference and, and and who would fit if you could build like a, a an FCS conference closer to home? Who would you want in someone that's reputable? Someone that could uh, become reputable if they're not so much. So you know, obviously Nova is someone that stuck out to me. Uh, and I had Dayton, and this is just like ten ten minutes of just like whatever. You got Dayton down in uh, Kurt's hometown there. You got to go across PA. You get Villanova. You have Penguins. Like those are drivable teams. Dayton fans would come up. I think we had a pretty good attendance for the Dayton game. Right. And uh, you know, Kurt and I are making the drive to Nova this weekend. It's very drivable. It's a little. It's a long drive, but it's very drivable. Um, I, you know, if I don't want to talk about making this jump to FBS, and I know I'm going off on a tangent when I'm trying to wrap up the show, <laughs> but. Um, I just think it would be kind of cool to like, I uh, imagine a, a competitive SCS conference with teams that are in our region. Yes, hundred percent. Bob. And then and then we can get Definitely. a rivalry game like Nova on the schedule every year. Yes, a Nova. Yep. I don't, don't, don't insult the curve, but I don't know about date, and they're not exactly uh, on our level. Someone who's on that level, been there, done that, won national championships. You know, like yeah, the- yeah, for sure. But and like I said, that hypot like that, you know, idea stems from like what school could build a program. I think Dayton is a school like given the right circumstances, could given scholarships and things like that, could build a competitive football roster. Obviously they're not scholarship, so That's it's fair. a little hard to compete. Well let's wrap it up. Again, your Youngstown State Penguins are in the playoffs, moving on to round two, they are at Villanova at noon this Saturday, uh, December 12th. Tune in. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, let, let's definitely turn to tune our boys in, and hopefully we'll move on to the third round, likely to be at South Dakota State, uh, pending we get by Villanova. Uh, but, again, um, we are the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram, Whitetown Penguin Podcast. Listen to us anywhere podcasts are found. Give us a five-star review, like, share. Uh, we are on YouTube Live. We will be back next week, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Follow our IG if we are late or moving on to a different day. And hopefully we'll be talking about how we are victorious 
once again. Uh, but again, I am your host, Sal Guardo. With me, as always, that's Cal Searle. That's Kurt Hess. That's Dan Cobb. And thank you for tuning in. And as always, go Penguins. Go Penguins. Go Penguins.